Welcome to Sharp Talk, the regular podcast of eSharp magazine. Go to eSharp.eu for free access to all the podcasts to date. This is Paul Adamson, and I'm in conversation with Sir Kieran Devan. Kieran Devan is the Chief Executive of the British Council. Um, Kieran, maybe people think they know what the British Council is, but maybe they don't really know what it is. They think of it maybe as a kind of offshoot of the British government, largely financed by the British Foreign Office, and whose main job is to go ahead and teach English to the outside world, the British version of the Alliance Francaise or the, or the Goethe Institute, if you like. So what does the British Council really do in 2018? Using culture in its wider sense, so it could be language, or it could be art, or it could be science, or it could be sport, um, to create relationships at individual level, at institutional level, um, at national level, between the people of the UK and people of other countries. And the belief that is behind that is that when you promote, as you know, we tend to talk about the interchange of knowledge, good things are more likely to happen than bad. So it's the fundamental belief that when people know each other and like each other and understand each other, those good things are much more likely. And in the world that we're in at the moment, in 2018, then the uncertainty which young people are facing in many countries around the world, and the geopolitics that we're seeing uh, at the moment, uh, I think this idea of cultural relationships uh, is as important as ever. Well, obviously, we, the elephant in the room for all of us is, is, is Brexit. And as you know, the British government is determined to try and deliver some kind of Brexit uh, on the basis of this kind of philosophy they're, they're promulgating of, of global Britain. D does the British Council's work form part of the, the British government's global Britain uh, philosophy? Well, I think we always have been. And so a priority for us is working with the next generation of young people in the Middle East and North Africa. A priority for us is working with emerging economies, whether it's the big ones like India and China or um, some smaller ones uh, relatively, such as Turkey uh, and um, Brazil. And of course there is the additional one where many of the relationships and friendships and partnerships um, which have been brokered through the institutions of the European Union um, may not be there in the future. I'm hoping some of them will. We very clearly um, have a strong opinion that ongoing UK participation in Erasmus Plus and uh, Horizon 2020 and Creative Europe uh, would be a good thing um, in whatever mechanism is, is possible to achieve that. Um, but I think the, the idea that all of us need to have in our heads is that whatever was behind the referendum or whatever was behind the result of elections uh, in the United States, say, or whatever's behind some of the, the things we're seeing in many countries within the EU but also outside, we need to worry about. And so for me, it's not about Brexit. It's about the causes of that kind of... Um, separation between what older people think and younger people think, mm -hmm. people in cities think and people in uh, rural areas uh, think. And we, we do need to address that issue and we need to address it with, within the UK, we need to address it within Europe and we need to address it uh, globally. So I do see ourselves as um, an ongoing part of um, UK um, presence and um, attractiveness and influence uh, in the world, um, but I, I don't see that as having fundamentally changed um, because of the result of the referendum, 
um, I think the referendum is a consequence of something which was going on anyway. So how does the British Council position itself? Are you, do, you, do you try and uh, balance uh, the idea of being sort of at least informally you know, an arm of the British government, as I said in my introduction? Uh, do you receive still funding from government sources? Or would you like to see yourselves more as an independent operator, uh, autonomous of the government? I, I think the dual status is important. We're the classic quasi-autonomous NGO. Um, right. And I, I think, so I'm not appointed by government, I'm appointed by an independent board of trustees who themselves are not appointed by, by um, government. Um, but if, if, you know, if the government wouldn't work with us, then clearly we're the wrong people to be in, in, in the job. Um, we do get 15% of our income, one five, um, as a, a grant uh, from the UK government, which underplays its importance because that's the flexible money. Right. Uh, whereas you know, the money you get for teaching a class, you spend on delivering the class. Um, but I, I think what's important is some of the principles of how we operate. Um, so one of them is you know, we are about mutuality. We're about being relevant to the countries and societies that we um, work with. So we don't follow an agenda which has been given to us. Um, because we're not given an uh, agenda. Uh, so it's really around working with our partners in a particular country and saying, wh what contribution can we and our UK partners in culture, in science, in education, deliver which will support the direction of travel of that, that country? So for example, if you're um, in Ghana, and one of the challenges which you share with other countries is um, demographics driving a huge pressure on the education system and a pressure on the economy, then our work on enterprise and social enterprise, which is helping young Ghanaians develop the skills which will help them either be employable when they leave their education system or establish businesses of their own when they leave the education system, that is directly relevant to, to, to Ghana. So it's not us deciding what is important for Ghana. Um, it is our partners in Ghana telling us actually what we'd really appreciate as a contribution from the United Kingdom is this. And it's our role to broker that in, in partnership with our friends across the UK. Well, how do you go about it? When you sort of turn up in Ghana, the British Council, uh, presumably the civil society groups are very happy to see you because you give expertise and maybe some, some other kinds of resources. But from the, from the Ghanaian government's point of view, don't they see this as rather intrusive and it's rather impudent of the British Council to turn up on their doorstep? Um, no, because um, we have the relationships. I think one of the assets we have as the British Council is, is a history of making a contribution. So the fact we can... Uh, make a contribution and have that debate with the ministries uh, today is because we have made contributions in the past. Uh, so longevity is, uh, is important, relationships uh, are important, and it's about co-developing the agenda. So we're not walking in saying, yeah. you know, this is good, it's saying, dear minister, how can we help? What, you know, what is worrying you at the moment? Um, and, it, and it's that... Um, ability to, to work at governmental level, work at institutional level, work at you know, community and um, uh, civil society level, and work across all three, which I think is a, a strength that we have as an organisation, some of which is driven by having this dual status. Well, I'm sure you wouldn't, you wouldn't allow me to get away with the comment that 
what you're doing is overtly to to peddle influence uh, on behalf of the UK, but um, you'll be aware as much as I am there's a narrative out there to the effect that not just in the context of Brexit where the UK is already seen as losing influence inside the European Union, but on, on the world stage more broadly in the United Nations and elsewhere, the UK is seen as either not being taken seriously or not itself not even, take, uh, not even engaging like it used to do in the past. So to what extent are you worried? First of all, do you agree with that analysis? And, and to the extent that you do agree, if you do agree um, how concerned are you about it I think the um, relationships are deeper than what is happening at intergovernmental level at any given time and again because we are about forward engagement we're about the long game what we can see looking from you know, our particular point of view is that the relationship between the UK and any given country isn't just because of institutional links through multilateral organisations, say. Yeah, okay. um, it's, through, it's through business, it's through the relationships that some of the great cultural institutions might have with each other, it's um, the relationship that the mayors of particular towns or cities might have with each other. So it's that fabric of integration. And where that fabric of integration and collaboration and networking and understanding exists, then the relationships ride out major, major traumas. Um, and, the, and we know that the relationship, let's say, um, at intergovernmental level is um, not at its strongest between the UK and Russia at the moment, but that's very different between the um, relationship between um, you know, Moscow and London cultural uh, institutions in each country's individual relationships and um, you know we you know we we one thing we should all do in our lives is go to the Hermitage in St. Petersburg right. um, so, so the relationships are different but the strength is the fact that all those relationships are in place at the same time and our role I think is to foster and um, the building of those relationships and that understanding at multiple levels f over time so that the relationship is sustained beyond whatever particular drama, be it a referendum result, an election result, or, or anything else, um, which is going on in a particular year at a, uh, or a particular month. OK, well, let's do, to finish this off, uh, Kieran, let's bring it back to the, the, the so-called post-Brexit uh, situation. How, how is the British Council going to, to, to sort of, not say raise its game, but increase its activity in these bilateral uh, cross-Europe uh, uh, context in a post-Brexit world? And to be honest, we're having to do a, a little bit of, um, um, dare I call it, a U-turn. Um, we have been relying on the fact that there is that built-in engagement through the mechanisms of European institutions to do many of the things which uh, we do in other countries in, in, in other ways, um, to the extent that um, over the uh, last number of years we've reduced the, the footprint uh, you know, of our network um, uh, across Europe. And that clearly is not the right direction of travel now. So we will be doing more. And the first thing we'll be doing is doing more of you know, events such as one we, as we happened to have um, last night, uh, where we were sharing some of the research that we have done uh, around the world on the next generation of young people in Pakistan, in Ukraine, in Turkey, in the UK, and right. so on, with our partners uh, and with their offices um, here in Brussels, and and with the um, 
you know, with the European Union. So the first thing we'll be doing is just making sure in, in, the, in the phrase I also don't uh, hugely like of leaning into the problem. Right. Uh, so we need to do that. Second thing we need to do is just have a think about what are the mechanisms which we can sustain. So for example, we ran a series of conferences uh, in the aftermath of the referendum, one in Berlin, one in Madrid, one in London. Um, and cumulatively, there are roughly 500 people and in institutions, so university rectors, uh, you know, directors of museums, uh, scientists, and, and so on. And what we did was we, we developed a communique, a consensus, as to what the things we wanted to preserve through this whole period were. Um, and I tend to characterize it as ensuring that the free movement of ideas and the people carrying those ideas. Um, and if we, and that gets you to the point of saying, okay, there'll be some mechanisms, Erasmus Plus ideally, for example, Horizon 2020, Creative Europe, um, where we would want to see UK participation in them or something remarkably similar to them. Um, this is all saying, okay, what can we conserve? Second, what can we uh, just bring in quickly to make sure that we sustain some of the relationships through a period of uncertainty. Uh, and the third one is saying, and what are the things which we need to actively reinforce? Um, and then there'll be a conversation anyway about, and what are the things which, irrespective of all of this, should we be doing more of better anyway? Um, so th there's a bit of a plan. Um, it, it is, it is a, a change in direction, uh, right. because we had been relying, you know, we, um, you know while we have an office here in Brussels focused on, on the Commission, the office which thinks about Belgium is relatively small. Mm. Um, the, and, we, and we do need to think whether that platform is, uh, is strong enough and big enough uh, for, for the future and, and how we fund it becomes a secondary question, of course. Okay, a final question. You clearly have a plan, um, and let's assume that Britain is leaving the European Union um, at some point in the next two, three years uh, for its transition. Um, how confident, to put you on the spot as a final question, how confident are you that these new uh, ties and the new uh, associations will be, will be able to be put in place in good time so there's no kind of gap or lack of continuity? Um, I think we can do it if we really, really work hard at it. Um, and I suppose I'm saying it won't happen by accident and we shouldn't presume that there's somebody else in a different room right. who's going to do it. Make it happen. Um, so it is down to um, you know, ourselves and you know, the, the people that we, we work with to uh, achieve it. Um, so I wouldn't underplay uh, that the fact that there's a lot of work to be done. Equally, um, I wouldn't underplay the goodwill uh, because there's nobody um, really saying that uh, what we want is, um, you know, a messy transition in any particular sector or um, that, you know, problems should be you know, put off for five years. And I think there is the opportunity for us to continue to do what we're doing, which is talking to our partners across um, the 27 uh, other members of the European Union and to, to work not only collectively here in, in Brussels and uh, with the uh, Commission, um, but also locally to say, are we, are we confident that we're building those things? So if we break the problem down um, and um, then maybe the... Um, you know that elephant uh, that you mentioned mm -hmm. uh, earlier. You know, in the in the cliche, uh, you know, the, the the way to eat an elephant if one does such a thing is to do it a bite at a time. Okay, we have to leave it there. Kieran Devan, thank you very much for your time. Privilege. Mm -hmm.